Welcome to the Green Up Possibilities podcast, empowering you with information about what is possible, improbable, and nearly impossible with money. Brought to you by Green Up Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. I'm Aaron Kirsch, Chief Client Advocacy Officer at Green Up Wealth Management. On this podcast, we're going to empower you with 12 questions to ask every financial advisor. Our special guest on this podcast is Tony Schmidt, President and CEO of GreenUp. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, Aaron. Look forward to being here with you today. Tony, you've worked with some of the largest firms in the financial services business. You have experience both as an advisor working directly with clients to achieve their goals, as well as leading multiple organizations prior to becoming CEO of GreenUp. And you have almost a quarter of a century in the financial services industry. So you've probably seen it all. Oh, thanks, Aaron. That's, that's flattering. I certainly haven't seen it all, but I've definitely seen my fair share over the last 25 years. And we've absolutely seen an evolution across the industry from creative titles advisors use to the different types of relationships advisors and firms have with their clients these days. You take it a step further and you just look at the types of portfolios that advisors build and why they actually build them in that manner. Lastly, the financial planning and just the overall client experience has really gone through an evolution. Some of this is for the better, but unfortunately, some, in my opinion, is for the worse. Well, we will explore some of those things that are for the better and for the worst. What we're going to do is we're going to give our audience a list of 12 questions to ask every financial advisor, whether they already have an advisor or they're looking to hire one. And Tony, with your knowledge and your wisdom and your experience in this business, you can add some color to each of those questions. Yeah, that sounds great, Aaron. At the end of the day, knowledge is power. And when someone's hiring a financial advisor, it's such an important part of your life because this relationship is going to play a very significant role. Heck, this relationship is going to be up there with your physician, religious clergy, other very deep and important relationships So it's important that each person is extremely confident asking questions because ultimately you deserve to be informed. Tony, let's get started. When you meet someone for the first time, you typically ask what their name is and then you want to learn a little bit about them. So for question number one, we're going to ask, what is your background and your qualifications? Absolutely, Aaron. This is the perfect starting point because when you're interviewing an advisor, it's important to get to know them as a person and as a professional, because this is someone, again, that you want to make sure your values are aligned with because you're building a long relationship. And this individual is going to be with you for some of the most important decisions you make in your life. But let's start by digging into the professional side of the world. It's important to understand this person's certifications, knowledge, and experience. And when you're looking at their credentials, There is no shortage of credentials in today's marketplace. Some of the more common ones that are used though are possibly a CFP or a CFA. And the CFP stands for a certified financial planner versus a CFA stands for chartered financial analyst. And without getting too deep into the weeds in either one of those areas, ultimately what it means is these individuals have dedicated an extraordinary amount of time to a certain level of studying to become subject matter experts in these key areas. So it just means, again, this person is dedicated to their craft. They're educated in these areas. 
which should provide a deeper knowledge base for them when working with you. And I highly encourage you, if you are unfamiliar with the credentials or what the given title means on a business card, by all means, ask that professional to explain, and I'm sure they'd be happy to educate you on it. Aaron, the next step is really looking at that person's knowledge and experience. Again, remember, this person is managing your life savings, helping advise you on some of the most important financial decisions you make. So you absolutely want to make sure that this person has a deep breadth of experience in all the areas that are going to be important for your financial success. Taking a step further, it's important to understand why the advisor chose this path in his life. Ask the advisor, what's your background? What brought you to this industry? This industry is truly an industry that is about service and helping people. And maybe that advisor has a particular story that brought him to this life of service. And that's great to know because you'll really get to know that person deeper and maybe why they're passionate about helping people. That is great insight, Tony. Once you get to know the advisor and that person's background, it's good to know if that advisor is going to be working for you, taking care of you, acting in your best interest. Question number two is, are you a fiduciary? Aaron, this fiduciary topic is one that has been in the news a lot lately, and rightfully so. It's such an important question because you're trusting this professional with your entire life savings, helping you with some of the most important financial decisions that you're going to make as an individual. So you want to make sure this person is lockstep aligned with you and that your interests are above theirs. This is why it's really important to distinguish between a fiduciary standard and the standard of suitability. Let's start by looking at a fiduciary standard. A fiduciary standard is where a financial advisor has the legal obligation to act in the client's best interest and therefore is required to put the client's best interest above their own. Taking that a step further, if there are any conflicts of interest, they are required, they are obligated to disclose these to the client ahead of time. Now, let's look at the cousin of the fiduciary standard, and that's suitability. This is where advisors are paid on commission. When you're looking at the standard of suitability, this is a situation where investments must be suitable for someone like you. This might be someone in your same general demographic or same stage of life that these investments are appropriate for, but not necessarily someone in your unique situation. And we as people, we all have unique nuances to our life, but this standard does not require that the strategy is customized for you and your unique needs. The financial professional might make an investment recommendation based upon the fact that it pays them a higher commission. Whether it's in your best interest or not, that decision can be based upon the commission rate. Now, unfortunately, there's no requirement to disclose their compensation nor the conflicts of interest that arise. So it's extremely important to ask this financial professional if they're held to the fiduciary or suitability standard, and then you have to take it one last step deeper. And that's asking the question if they're always required to be held to the fiduciary standard, because in some situations, you're only required to 
be a fiduciary on retirement accounts, not all of the non-retirement accounts as well. On the subject of compensation, Tony, question number three is, how are you compensated and what should I expect to pay? The magic question, right? How do you make a living and how does that impact my bottom line? And Aaron, this is an area many clients will get uncomfortable and tiptoe around, but they shouldn't. You should absolutely feel comfortable asking this, and the advisor should be absolutely comfortable disclosing this to you. And there's really two basic models out there. There's fee-based and there's commission-based. We'll start with commission-based. When a financial advisor is earning a commission, they get paid based upon the transaction. So there could be an inherent conflict of interest in the decisions they're making. You might end up sitting there saying, was this in my best interest or was this in the advisor's? And we would certainly hope that each advisor is only going to do what they believe is in the client's best interest. But with that inherent conflict of interest out there, sometimes it makes you think twice. Now let's look at fee-based. It can seem very straightforward, but again, there's more than meets the eye there at times as well. For some folks, that fee might encompass everything, financial planning, investment management, a whole litany of other services that are offered. At other firms, the fee might only cover financial planning or it might only cover investment management. Many times, a lot of the services are a la carte. I'm not here to say one is right or one is wrong, but I do believe it's important that you have a good understanding on the front side so you know what you're paying for and what to expect out of it. Tony, as you know, some advisors work by themselves, some work in teams, some people work for medium-sized corporations, some people work for very large corporations. Question number four is, who is on your team and how do they support you? Aaron, I've worked at firms that have solo practitioners, and I've also worked at firms that truly take a team approach. And I'm not here to say one is better or one superior to the other. I just think it's important that each individual investor understands the pros and cons with each model and understands which questions to ask to make sure it's the right firm for them. So let's start with the solo practitioner. One of the challenges that these individuals are going to face is there's only so many hours in a day. It's very difficult to be an expert on everything. I guess it's probably impossible to be an expert on everything. And when you look at all the different hats this individual would have to wear, this person has to manage portfolios, manage the client relationships. I'm sure they'd want to grow their practice, so they're going to have to do marketing to accomplish that. They're going to handle the ever-changing regulatory and compliance world of the industry, along with handling the day-to-day operations. So the real challenging question is, how in the heck is that person going to have enough bandwidth to juggle all of these different roles and keep all of these balls in the air? And Aaron, with this individual having all these balls in the air, the question you have to ask yourself, while they're juggling all these balls, am I going to be able to get the type of relationship and the type of expertise delivered that I deserve and I need to accomplish my goals? That's great information on the solo practitioner. And Tony, let's talk about the team approach. Aaron, the strength of the team is that it's a team. The challenge of the team is also that it's a team. 
Because again, that lead advisor might have a ton of great experience and a ton of expertise, but many times you're seldomly dealing with that lead advisor. You're dealing with the other members of the team as that individual is tied up and stretched extremely thin. So it's important that you have a great understanding of the experience of the team itself. If the team handles much of the relationship or portfolio management or financial planning, it's important that you understand that, you trust their expertise, and you understand what that relationship is going to look like. Then there's always the question of what if you can't get a hold of the lead advisor? You're probably going to have to speak with the team. What happens to you if you have a question? What happens to your investments if you need to speak with that lead advisor and you can't get a hold of that advisor? Aaron, that reminds me of the famous quote from Phil Jackson, the the NBA coach's Zen master himself, where he said, the strength of the team is each individual member. The strength of each member is the team. That's a great quote, Tony. Well, whether you're working with a solo practitioner, whether you're working with a team, whether you're working with a company small or large, it's good to know what your experience is going to be, and it's good to know that you're going to be treated as an individual. Question number five is, how do you customize the overall experience for each client? At the end of the day, Aaron, each individual is important, and you should never feel like you're just a number. Many firms these days are built to maximize scale. As a result, there becomes a cookie cutter approach to the investment management, the financial planning, and even an automation of communication in lieu of personal interaction. So if you're going to work with one of these large firms that has built for massive scale, you have to really step back and think, is my portfolio and financial planning experience gonna be cookie cutter or is it gonna truly have customization? Is my portfolio going to be one size fits all or is it going to be tailored to my financial needs, my tax situation and my investment preferences? One other concern is that many of these large firms, you could end up having a new advisor every few years. This is a long term relationship, so it's not going to provide the ideal experience if you're having to restart your relationship from scratch every couple of years, Aaron. And Tony, I just want to share that I started my career at a giant Wall Street firm. And what they wanted me to do with all of my clients is have them complete a one to two page questionnaire. And based on the results of that questionnaire, put them into one of about six boxes. So after this questionnaire completion, they would either be a box B or a box D or a box A. And that's what their portfolio would be, which is just terrible. It's a terrible way to have your investments managed. Aaron, did you ever make a mistake and call them Mr. and Mrs. Box C or Mr. or Mrs. Box A? Absolutely not, but that's probably what the firm would have called them. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. And that's why it's so important to really have a good understanding of what the relationship looks like. It's important to ask the advisor, how often will you meet? What's the best way to get a hold of them? If you're someone that doesn't love email, but the advisor says the best way to communicate is through email or text, that might not be the ideal relationship, even though they're a fine financial advisor. That's just not the personal experience that you want and is right for you. Ask yourself, does this advisor have the time to provide the personalized service that I expect in a financial relationship? 
Tony, investment management is traditionally what financial advisors have provided to their clients over time. However, there's so much more to everyone's financial life than just managing money and buying and selling investments. Question number six is, what additional services do you offer? Aaron, investment management is important, but at the end of the day, it always starts with a plan. Many of you are familiar with financial planning, but for those who are not, think about it like your GPS app on your smartphone. Your app knows where you are at any given time, and you enter where you want to go. And then the app will calculate the best way for you to get there. And that's what financial planning really is. A good financial advisor who does financial planning gets to really know where you are in life, what your income is, what your assets are, what your liabilities are, and then gets to know where you want to go. What are your goals? What are your objectives? What do you want to accomplish with your money? And then that advisor is going to calculate the best way for you to get there. Aaron, you're so spot on. It's really a broad spectrum that needs to be covered for your total financial picture. This can range from income planning, tax planning, risk management, legacy and estate planning, and of course, investment management. Investment management gets the headlines, but it's there to truly support the plan. At the end of the day, it's how you execute the plan and how you're going to get from point A to point B. Tony, the next question is a good follow-up to financial planning, and that's question number seven. What is your financial planning philosophy and process? Aaron, that's a great question. Because again, financial planning truly is the foundation of any investing strategy. The financial plan will dictate how much risk to take or not take in a given investment portfolio. So it's important to know how the advisor will incorporate financial planning into the overall advice and investment strategy. Some key considerations within the financial planning world is you wanna understand what the financial professional's financial planning process is. You want to understand how they'll execute it and also how they'll evaluate it and update your plan. The plan is certainly a living, breathing document. So as life changes, so will your plan. All good points to consider, Tony. Tony, there are tens of thousands of investments out there in the investment universe, from stocks to bonds to funds to now cryptocurrency. There is so much to choose from, and how do you put together the right portfolio that meets your financial needs? Which brings us to question number eight. How do you put together investment portfolios? Aaron, investors are going to want to know that the investment professional is picking the investments that fit together in a calculated and meaningful way to build the optimal portfolio for them and their unique situation. Therefore, you're going to want to know, will the advisor select from the entire universe of investments or just from the proprietary products that their firm offers? Let's say said advisor works for ABC investment firm and only uses ABC funds. Obviously, ABC firm doesn't have all the best investments in the world. If they did, that'd probably be the only firm that existed. Therefore, you want an advisor that is completely unbiased, that is going to scour the universe that are the right investment vehicles to help you accomplish your goal. 
That's right, Tony. Hopefully this question will answer other questions like what is the advisor's process? How does the advisor pick investments? Is that advisor using evidence-based modeling to pick the right investments for you? Or is that advisor using his or her own gut feelings? And we know that the market is always changing. So is this advisor going to be able to adapt to various market conditions? Or is this advisor just going to be buying you something and keeping it the way it is and never making any modifications? Which leads us into the next question. We all want our portfolios to grow, to go up in value. But we know that the market can be volatile. So question number nine is, how do you build portfolios for growth and for downside protection? Aaron, we know one of three things is always going on in the market. It's either going to go up, it's going to go down, or it's going to go sideways. We don't exactly know when, and we don't exactly know how much. But it's crucial for advisors to have strategies in place for all three different market scenarios. Growth is obviously important, but it's important to also understand how the advisor is going to react and make adjustments to the portfolio when the market drops. Each portfolio should be in line with your overall risk tolerance. Each investor is a little bit different about how much volatility they can or aren't going to be able to stomach. So it's important to make sure that when you put your head on a pillow at night, you're going to be able to rest easy knowing how much risk you are or are not taking, while at the same time making sure that you have the appropriate level of upside growth. Thanks, Tony. Well, we mentioned we want to grow our portfolio. We want to protect on the downside. And ultimately, we want to maximize our returns. But we all know that it's not what you earn on your investments. It's what you keep. And anytime you make money, Uncle Sam is going to want a piece of that. Which leads us to question number 10. How can you help me mitigate my overall tax burden? Aaron, like most people, I don't mind paying my fair share of taxes. However, most of us don't want to pay any more than ultimately we have to. That's why tax planning is such a crucial part of your overall financial planning and investment management standpoint. When you're doing your tax planning, you have to ask the question, is it more important to look forward out the windshield or is it more important to look out the rearview mirror? The answer is both. That's why it's important that your advisor gets a copy of your tax return. It's important that they understand your overall tax situation. They gain an understanding of your overall income situation. Therefore, they understand how the capital gains a portfolio throws off can impact your overall tax situation. Right, Tony. Does the advisor think about tax issues when managing your portfolio? And does the advisor do some tax planning for you? A good advisor is going to put you in the best possible situation when it comes to taxes. Because ultimately, we want to pay everything we legally owe, but not a penny more. That's right, Aaron. We don't want to leave Uncle Sam a tip, do we? No, we do not. Yeah. And Aaron, that's why it's important to make sure that your advisor and your accountant are going to work together. Because as an individual, you're assembling a team of professionals around you and you're at the center quarterback in that relationship. So you want to make sure that your team is working together for your common goals. That's great, Tony. Well, we've established that financial planning is the foundation for everything in your financial life. And investment management is the vehicle to help you get to where you want to go. 
We also know that tax planning is important to the whole process. And another part of the process, which is important, is risk mitigation, which brings us to question 11. What type of insurance planning do you offer? Aaron, you can have the best financial plan and the best investment strategy out there. However, if you're not protected from some of the unknowns of life, it can throw that plan completely off the rails. So that's why it's so crucial to have this protection in place. And many times people will think of insurance planning as just something to replace income if, God forbid, something happens to you. However, insurance can also be used to transfer wealth in a tax-efficient manner to your next generation. That's right, Tony. A good financial advisor is going to incorporate risk mitigation and insurance strategies into your financial plan. And either that advisor sells insurance directly, and if so, it's good to know how that advisor is compensated. And if not, that advisor is hopefully going to give you recommendations and suggestions that you can bring to your insurance expert to start implementing part of that protection plan. And just to put a bow on the insurance planning, it's important that the financial plan dictates how much and the type of insurance that is being used to help accomplish your objectives. Thanks, Tony. Another important part of financial planning is leaving a legacy, passing on money to the next generation, which brings us to question 12. How can you help me protect and pass on a legacy to the next generation? Absolutely, Aaron. When an individual passes away, it's clearly one of the most challenging times for a family. That's why you want to make sure your affairs are in order so that whether it's someone's surviving spouse or their next generation, that they're set up for success and that your wishes are carried out ultimately. Most knowledgeable financial advisors are going to partner with an estate planning attorney, making sure that there is a plan in place so that your financial wishes are carried out after you pass away. Well, that's the 12 questions, Tony. So does that mean I'm off the hot seat, Aaron? Absolutely not, Tony. We want to finish up the podcast after those 12 questions with some steps that everyone should take, whether you already work with an advisor or if you're looking to hire an advisor. And that first step is do your homework. Doing your homework is crucial. There's so many ways out there in the internet age to do your diligence. While doing your homework, you should be looking to gain an understanding of the person's regulatory background and see if there's any disclosures that you should know about. If the individual has some disclosures, you should feel completely comfortable asking this individual about the disclosures. And they will most likely be extremely welcoming of the question and happy to discuss what those disclosures were about at the time. Tony, you mentioned online searches, and the SEC and FINRA has made it very easy to go onto their websites to check an advisor's qualifications, certifications, level of education, their background, and their experience in the financial services business. Those are two great places, Aaron, to do additional research and identify the individual's qualifications and background. But in this information age, it doesn't just stop there. Of course, the Google has everything as we well know, so you can use Google to do different searches from this individual, check their social media, and really identify if that advisor's personal and professional brand are in line with something that you need and someone you trust. 
Tony, we also advise that individuals check the background of the company that that advisor is working with. No doubt about it, Aaron. You're not just working with the individual, but you're working with their firm as well. So you want to make sure that you're comfortable with not only the individual, but also the firm that they're representing. Okay, so do your homework with your existing advisor. And if you don't have an existing advisor, Tony, how does someone go about hiring an advisor? There's a number of ways to go about hiring an advisor and finding the right person for you and your family. You can start with your friends and family. Ask them what their experience has been. Ask them about some unique situations where maybe their advisor has helped them or maybe what problems their advisor has helped them solve. You can also get a testimonial from a number of resources as well, possibly from someone you know or maybe an online testimonial. But you also want to make sure that these are genuine testimonials and there's no conflicts in how those were given. Another method of identifying how to hire an advisor, Aaron, is there's many online platforms out there these days that act as a screening service that introduce you to an advisor based upon your needs and your situation that might be appropriate. Therefore, a lot of the heavy lifting and legwork is already done. A third party, a truly neutral source, has already vetted the advisors and put them on a platform to start matchmaking and introduce you to the person that could be your long-term partner. Lastly is reading articles advisors are creating. Figure out their style, their knowledge base. Identify if it's a good fit for you. Does that person's content speak to you? As does their knowledge base meet your requirements. Excellent information, Tony. To sum things up, this is your money and it affects your life. This is your future. So we think you owe it to yourself to do the diligence so that you feel comfortable, so that your future has the right co-pilot to navigate the financial complexity of your life. And this is a relationship outside of your family and friends. An advisor can be a lifelong relationship. It's important to feel comfortable with that person, to trust that person, to understand that person's motivations, their processes, and their capabilities. So do research ahead of any meetings if possible. Ask lots of questions. Ask hard questions. And make sure you're satisfied with those answers. And once again, you should ask these questions whether you have an existing advisor that you've worked with for a while or if you're looking to establish a new relationship with a financial advisor. Tony, any closing thoughts? Aaron, I think you said that perfectly. You owe it to yourself to be satisfied with your advisor and confident that this individual is going to be a great partner and helping you accomplish all of your financial goals. You're inviting someone in to one of the most personal aspects of your life. So you want to make sure this advisor is someone that you've done your diligence on, is someone who philosophically you're aligned with, and therefore you have confidence that they're going to help you accomplish all of your financial objectives, your hopes and dreams. If you have friends or family who may benefit from this podcast, please share it with them so that the people you care about most can find the right advisors to help them with their financial situation as well. Thank you for joining us. For the whole team at Greenup Wealth Management, I'm Aaron Kirsch. And I'm Tony Schmidt. Thanks for listening. Greenup Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed are our own. 
All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. 